Jane is a special education teacher, and she was having a rough go at work. She had a new student, Timmy, who was extremely challenging. Timmy would bite, hit, and scratch. By the time he went home, Jane found that all she wanted to do was eat. It didn't help that the cabinets at school were stocked with snack foods for the kids. I am doing some major damage with the amount of food I'm taking in, said Jane. I can't seem to break this pattern. I know I need to find and use some strategies and create a new habit. Noticing a pattern in your day that trips you up repeatedly is super helpful. When a certain set of events leads to overeating several times a week, it's almost like a habit, a learned response. So how do we take that knowledge and build a new pattern? How do we form a new habit? In this case, it's even a bit more tricky because the habit we are trying to form involves not doing something. In this case, not snacking. When you think of habits, you might think of something as simple as brushing your teeth. In that case, you're practicing doing something every day at a certain time or transition point. For example, before bed or after a meal. It is helpful to add new habits onto an existing habit, something you are already doing. Let's see. When I change into my PJs, I will wash my face and brush my teeth. Sounds simple enough, right? But what if the thing you are trying to do involves not doing something? In this case, not eating. What is the best way to start a new habit, in particular, one that involves not doing something? This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. In our Breaking Up with Binge Eating group coaching program, Georgie shared a paper by Lolly and Gardner from 2013 titled Promoting Habit Formation, published in Health Psychology Review. This paper discusses evidence-based techniques for forming new healthy habits and breaking existing unhealthy ones. Let's break down their recommendations. The paper describes six steps to form a new habit or to break a bad one. The first step is to come up with a plan. Identify what you want to do in a particular situation and the cue. In other words, when X happens, then do Y. It is more effective if the cue is an event and not a time, right? It may be hard to remember to do something at 3.30 p.m. It is easier if it follows some regular action in the course of your day. But what if your plan is to not do Y? If X happens, then don't do Y. What if the goal is to stop doing something in response to a cue? In that case, it is better to substitute a specific new behavior than just trying to inhibit an old one. All right, so that is a ninja hack. Let's remember that. Two, anticipate any challenges that might get in the way of doing your plan. For example, if your plan is to take a walk outside after lunch, what will you do if it's raining? Three, it is helpful if the environment supports the new behavior. So if you're trying to avoid snacking, it would help to keep the plate of cookies off the kitchen island. If you want to walk first thing in the morning, it would help to lay out your clothes and sneakers the night before. Four, 
Reminders are helpful. I am sure we can all identify with having a good intention to do something and then just forgetting to do it. 5. Monitor your progress. Now this is helpful so you know whether or not your plan works. This is not a judgment about you as a person or your capabilities. This is just like data in a science experiment. The last step, six, is to find a sense of satisfaction in doing the new behavior to help to keep it going. Hmm, this sounds a bit vague, doesn't it? What does it mean to find a sense of satisfaction? I think of it this way. When you have succeeded at your plan, notice how good it feels. Really notice. Conjure up the good feelings and splash them on yourself. You may feel proud of making a change or keeping a promise to yourself. You may feel physically well. Emphasize those thoughts and feelings. Make splashing the good feeling part of your plan. Maybe you do this when you monitor your progress. What struck me with this list, these six points, is that it hit all the major aspects and really sets you up for the win. Sometimes we think we should just try harder. If trying harder worked, we would all have kicked our bad habits by now. I don't think there is a lack of trying going on for most of us. It is a lack of succeeding. This list brings out the big guns. Old, unwanted habits are about to be obliterated. It is more about how do we effectively try. Let's take Jane's example of stress eating at school in the afternoon and apply these steps. Step one was to come up with a plan, when X, do Y. In this case, the cure X is the afternoon break after Timmy has left for the day. Now the plan is to not eat the snacks. Whoops. Okay, we see a problem right there. The plan is not to do something. In this case, the paper recommends that a new behavior be substituted. Jane decided that she would sit down as soon as the kids leave and take a break. She would sit at the table, do some coloring, and have a cup of black tea. Great. The next step would be to identify what might get in the way. There weren't many obstacles to this plan. There is potential that Jane's own thoughts might get in the way. She might tell herself that she doesn't need to take a break. She might tell herself that she doesn't care and she's going to eat the snacks anyway. These are what we call sabotaging thoughts. Writing them down and coming up with helpful responses is a great idea. If she could change her environment, that may make it easier. For example, she could be sure the kids' snacks are put away in the cabinet out of sight. When she takes her break, she could sit in a room different from the one with the snacks. Next, she might forget to take these steps. After the kids leave, she might decide to tidy up the classroom instead and forget about her plan. So we could add a reminder. For example, Jane could send a scheduled text to herself at the start of break reminding her of her plan. As for monitoring her progress, Jane decided to keep a journal where she writes a few lines each day about what went well and what didn't. She also planned to conjure up good feelings whenever the plan worked. She would write those feelings down in her journal. As you can see, there are a lot of moving parts to this. Are we planning a trip to Mars? Do we really need six steps? I say, heck yeah, we do. If this stuff was easy, there would be no weight loss industry. 
trying harder is not the answer. So why not give ourselves the best chance of success? So, my challenge to you is to identify something you're struggling with. Maybe it's overeating at dinner. Maybe it's getting into the treats in the afternoon. Maybe it's not planning your meals and just grazing. Then, get out a piece of paper and go through the steps. Step 1. Make an implementation plan. If X, then Y. X is your cue. Write down what you want to do and when. Check that Y, or your plan, is an action step. It should be a substituted behavior, not just refraining from something unwanted. 2. Identify any challenges that might get in the way of your plan. Take them into consideration. Remember, it may be your own thoughts that get in the way. 3. Set up reminders to implement your new plan. Perhaps use your phone. 4. Can you modify your environment to support the new behavior? 5. Monitor your progress to help troubleshoot and to keep focus. 6. Cultivate a sense of satisfaction in the process. This is kind of exciting, right? A plan like this sounds doable. And keep in mind that you may need to tweak the specifics based on your experience. I hope you found this to be helpful. Get out there and form some new habits. See you next time.